This is For Advisors by Advisors. I'm your host, Evan J. Mayer, and today we have a very special guest and Mr. Michael Tucher Sr. Thank you. Oh, God. They're loving you, Mike. They're loving you. That's funny. How you doing, Mike? I'm doing good. Man. Good, good. By the way, you have a son. Yep. And he's junior. Yeah, well, he's actually the second, but we just call him Junior, just as kind of a nickname, or the deuce. So when did you decide to start like going by senior and changing that on your name? Well, just because they couldn't tell the difference between the two of us. Got it. So yeah, what, what, once it. you guys started working together. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Got it, it used to be big Mike, little Mike. Got and it. And now it's well, big Mike and I'm old Mike now. Got it. I go small tooch and big tooch. <laughs> yeah, that's personal. Mike is the senior managing partner of Main Street Financial Group. He's been affiliated with Raymond James since 2006. And prior to that, he spent 14 years at MetLife and the Insurance Channel. Yeah. Mike, tell us about how you got started. By the way, just quick story on how I met Mike. About a month and a half ago, they had Raymond James does a big annual meeting at something called Elevate. And they get speakers in, you know, a lot of big firms do it. But I actually think Raymond James does the best job. Maybe I'm a little bit of a homer. But they had a golf charity event, and we ended up coming in first place. Yes, we did. Yeah, 58. 58. By the way, we didn't buy, get to buy any mulligans. mulligans. Like that, yeah. It was a pure 58. It was a, it was a good round. So I met Mike there, had a good old time. We got to play golf again a couple days later. We just got done, and that's why we're dressed and our great golf attire. And it seems like each of the last couple of times we played, I've ended up paying you. Yeah, you just bought my lunch, by the way. She asked for my awesome. wallet, and I said, yeah, I, happy I, to help, man. I, I don't have it. So, yeah. yeah. So tell us how you got started in the business, the insurance side. What broke the camel's back from why you went independent? And then tell us about the last 14 years. Okay. Well, I got started in the business to begin with when I was on disability, believe it or not, from Winn-Dixie. So I had herniated a disc in my back. Was out of work for 14 months so you know i know what it's like to be poor we were on food stamps and unemployment and i went back to grad school just because food stamps didn't cover diapers ended up finishing up my mba and starting my career with met yeah and i wasn't really happy about it i hated i didn't want to be in the insurance business so to speak but my wife had always said hey you say you work harder than everybody else if memory serves me correctly you produce you play well or you work hard and you do well at your job, you get paid more. And I'm like, okay, I'll give it a shot. And, you know, they have production quotas and stuff like that. So during my training sessions, I came, I got the termination letter nine times, each of the last three weeks of each of the first three quarters. And I was hating it. Oh, about like, like if you didn't hit your sales quota, you were yeah, gone. Yeah, yeah, you were done. You yeah, were done. Yeah. And I finished up my graduate degree in the middle of all that. And my wife is like, look, you got your master's now. Why don't you go ahead and put your heart and soul into it? And if it doesn't work, do something else because you're miserable and you're making me miserable. So I got my master's in marketing, put together a plan, borrowed a little bit of money. And, uh, you know, the rest was history. We went from food stamps and unemployment to six figures in three years. And that was at Met, that right? That was at Met, yeah. That so was at Met. you spent 14 years at Met? Mm -hmm. When did you finally like start saying, hey, it's not for me, I got to make a move? Well, believe it or not, I was actually one of the folks that was instrumental in bringing fee-based advisory accounts and starting the financial planning aspect of the firm and getting more into selling investments and things like that. Uh, there was, back in 1993, there was a big story, bad story, that came out about MetLife where all these agents were going around and talking to registered nurses and selling nurses-insured retirement plans. Yeah. And they weren't telling people they were whole life contracts. 
and this is what I was surrounded with. And I'm like, okay, I want to get out of that part of it. And for some reason, it was very unusual for me being in the career agency field force to actually sit for the seven. Yep. So I started with the seven, ended up getting, you know, 63, 65, all that good stuff. And with this scandal, you couldn't buy an appointment with somebody who already wasn't a Met client. Somebody from the home office up in New York got this brilliant idea of sending us a stack, had to be two feet high, of orphan policyholders. Well, I figured out that if I went out there and I talked to an existing client and we just did something as simple as a contingent beneficiary update because they bought the policy 50 years ago. Yeah, just calling up to be nice and update their policy for them. And I'll go out there, we'll do the update and say, hey, look, you bought this policy 30, 40, 50 years ago. A lot's changed for you guys in your situation. A lot's changed with us and what MetLife can actually do for you. And there I would transition and go into the investment products and find out what else had changed in their life. Sometimes we write more insurance, et cetera. And they actually used all of my scripts, procedures and everything for about a decade. Yeah. I would go around teaching other offices how to do this stuff. I do it at the national conferences and things like that. And so that part was great. Yep. When I finally decided it was time to get the hell out was when my branch manager was just so jealous. This guy was an absolute asshole. Yeah, especially they're showcasing you everywhere. He's not getting it. And and management tends to do that in bank channels, insurance channels. And so very familiar with it. Yeah. So he was pretty much making my life miserable. Yeah. And then that's when her name was Gina Sackley's. She started to talk to me. Just we'd, we'd see each other in the building. I was, we were in the penthouse, yep. which you don't call it the 13th floor, evidently. And Raymond James was on the first floor. And we kept talking, kept talking, and finally, okay, we're going to make the move. And we made the move. It didn't go real well. So, so that was what? For, that was, uh, in, uh, it was in 2006. 2006. Yeah, it was in 2006. And they basically got wind that I was going to be leaving. So they fired me. And then they just took my book and divided it up and everybody just went after it. Went nuts. Yeah. Yeah. Just went nuts. With yeah. It. So it was tough getting started at Ray J. How much did you end up pulling over from? Well, we started, we write right at about 80 million. 80 million. It was okay. no big deal, but it was like, and what did you have prior? Households. What was it prior? Like before, like they started really just not that much more than that. Yeah. Okay. But at the same time, we actually had selling agreements at Raymond James mm-hmm. and with MetLife. But evidently, my boss accused me of stealing client data. Because it was not a protocol when you moved. Which I didn't. Yeah. But so that got hacked down even further because I couldn't transfer the products in. So everybody had made the commitment. We did all the paperwork. So I ended up bringing over about 40 by the time it was all said. Really? Got it. And had to just build it up all over again. I said, guys, we got two ways we can do this. You can either let me continue to sell the products, which I believe in. Yep. Or I can take every damn dime I ever brought in for you. And they said, yeah, we're going to go that route. And I've been with Ray J for 17 years now, and I'm still not appointed with him. And I'm damn happy about it. Interesting. Yep. Interesting. Yeah, and they would they never appoint you. That's insane, too, because yeah. I don't think I've ever heard of that before. Yeah. So. yeah, they were pretty petty about it. Yeah. So I guess you got to be careful if you're in the insurance field. I mean, I'm sure that doesn't happen a lot, but it can. Could be. It was. I mean, I was kind of an unusual recruit yep you know to come over from the insurance side to begin with again it was a very contentious divorce for lack of a better term yep yeah i wouldn't recommend doing it that way 
Yeah, no, no. I think if you could have gotten out of there more secretly, it probably would have been a lot better. Yep. So, but hey, the l- l- lessons learned, right? It worked um, out. It worked out. Lessons well. learned. And now you're sitting close to 250 million it's under right AUM, yep. doing great. And really everything is fee-based now. Yeah. Yeah. We're 99.3. Yeah. It's, it's funny, right? Because I'm about the same and we can't go around saying we're fee only, but more or less we are, but we have trails and things like that. Right. that well, come the in. trails, yeah. sometimes when we do an insurance policy or something yeah. like that, there's some commissions involved. Yep. And, but it's been wonderful. My affiliation with Raymond James, I started off at Raymond James and Associates. Oh, the, oh, so when you made the move, it was RJA. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So when did you make, so this is interesting because I don't think I've had anybody on the podcast that was with RJA and then moved to RJFS. Yeah, yeah. What year did you end up doing that? I did that in 16. You did. All right. So 10 years you spent on the RJA side, yeah. you built it up. Now, how was that move? Obviously your boss at RJA was going to lose your revenue. Oh no, they were perfectly fine with it. They, well, they were fine with it. Yeah, yeah. they were. Cause so the guy who is the Southeast regional director, you know, him, Todd Gartrell. Todd, yep. Well, Todd was my branch manager. Oh, wow. During the financial crisis. Okay. Our Gina, our branch manager had left the one who had recruited me. And so we had no branch manager and Todd just got a heart for advisors. He's a great guy. Yep. He just loves to see people succeed. And the vibe from him was just awesome. I credit Todd for saving my ass, really, because I was bummed out. I was depressed in the middle of the financial crisis. Of course, the market takes a big dump. So, okay, there's not a whole lot there to give. And feedback. you went through all this transition. I mean, it- went through the transition, didn't make my nut for the loan because you have to do certain production numbers to do that. Yeah. So I went about a year and a half without a paycheck and it was brutal. Yeah. Yeah. So in 2008, Ray J made the offer to do the more comprehensive coaching program yep. with Pareto systems with Duncan McPherson, yep. you know, the same guys we familiar. Yep. Okay. And so me and my team, my son and my operations manager, Sherry, we went through the entire one year program and they said, look, you fork out the money to begin with. It was like 15 grand at the time. And if you're up more than like 15%, we'll pay for half of it. If you're up more than 20%, we'll pay for all of it. I was up just under 40% in the next 12 months. That's awesome. And it really helped streamline procedures. We did an exercise, what's called progressive right sizing. So you find out who your ideal clients are. Yep. And we figured out a way to get rid of the rest. Yep. And just made them all house accounts, turned them back in. So that's when things really started to take off for us. And... Now, what made you go, I want to go independent and I'm going to go talk to Todd? Because I'm guessing as much as you respected Todd, you still probably had a little bit of like fear when you were going to go say, hey, I think I want to do the independent route. Actually, it didn't because Todd was like, Patrick, you're too entrepreneurial for this. He's like, you, you got to go. Yeah. Well, so at Met, I was a W-2 employee, yep. but it's what they call a statutory employee. So with the W-2 in the insurance business, evidently there's a loophole where if you get a W-2, you file a Schedule C, profit or loss from a business. Yep. And so I was used to being able to write everything off. And that's one thing I'm exceedingly good at. And so when I went- <laughs> Within the office, IRS standards. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Hey, everything we do is legal and above board, man. Yes. You know, I can we take full advantage of the ambiguities in the tax code. Yes. Yeah. And so after, you know, that time where, okay, I can't write off squat. And then you had the 2% floor for unreimbursed employee expenses. And yep. then they capped you out on the top end. So, I mean, you start making more than like 350 grand a year. You can't write any of that stuff off anymore. Yep. So in 2015, I had like 150 grand worth of legit 
tax deductible expenses I couldn't take. Mm -hmm. I was pissed. So I called my son up. He had gone to Charlotte, North Carolina for a while. He's like, dad, you know, I got to get away from home. I'm a grown ass man now. Completely respect it. He was running a distribution center for Lowe's and their appliances. Yep. And busy as all get out. And I said, dude, I'm going independent. I said, you want to come back? You want to join me? And he goes, when do you need me? I said, May. And it was six weeks away. He goes, done. And Todd, the entire time, I actually, I told when I did my bio interview, okay, back in 2006, when I'm talking with Dennis Zank, okay, with talking with Scott Curtis, with all those guys, I said, hey, look, I think at some point I'm going to go to the independent channel. I told him that from the very beginning. Yep. Because I, under, I, I understood the tax ramifications at the time, but I didn't know how severe they were going to be. Yep. But it, it was a great transition because I wasn't quite ready yet. And, when, and did you have to repaper the clients at that point? Yeah. yeah. Back then you had to repaper everything. I still think you do. Or do you, I think you still do from our day. It's a lot easier. Yeah. yeah. Evidently, it's just a couple of clicks. Yep. The easy part was, is the first form that you had to do was, yep. it, it says internal change of branch form. That was it. So it's like, guys, I, I put out a frequently asked questions, told everybody what I was doing. And, you know, I got... And did you have your supervisory license at the time? I did not. So you had to get that. I had it before I left. So they oh, actually it. give you a period of time. I think you've got up to a year yep. to get your nine and your 10. Yep. So, I mean, I had it before we left. Got it. And, but again, Todd was incredibly supportive. Now, here's my question, because this part I did not know. Like the conferences, are they different? Yes. How are they different? Yeah, it's a lot more kids. RJA at or? RJA. A lot more kids at RJA, from what I could tell crap ton of people. I mean, I had never been to exposed to a conference that big. Yeah. It, again, it, it was a, a neat experience. And just to be able to see the difference in the culture mm -hmm. from Raymond James, from where I came from at Matt. Yeah. It was just. And the culture, the day. culture was still great. It's right. just on the independent side. It's a little bit different. Yeah. I'm not a big fan, as you know, of going to meetings. Yep at those conferences. Well, you attended every meeting. No, I did not. No, yeah. neither did I. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but we did attend some and but, some were phenomenal. And some were, <laughs> but, but at the same time, I mean, I figured out a long time ago, cause again, I use golf a lot in my practice, but also getting to learn from other people like you. Yep. So what I try to do is identify people at those conferences that do something either different or better than I do. Yeah. And then go pick their brain for four hours on the golf course. Yep. And, you know, learned a lot to help my practice during the time frame and just different perspectives. I mean, I was happy about it because I got paid while I, while yeah, I you know. yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Dude, you legit won, man, that's for sure. But, but yeah, so. Talk about that because I, I found that interesting today. You're a member of two golf clubs. Yep. You have clients in both. Yep. And it, you get business from golf yeah. in some ways. Well, actually, it's my primary source. Yeah, so talk a little bit about that. Okay. Well, I mean, again, I don't go there with business cards. Yep. Okay. I don't tell people what I do. Yep. I go there to have fun, to get to know people. And I use golf to find out who I would want to have as a client. Yep. Because, you know, playing the game of golf, you know how damn frustrating it can be. I want to find out how, if someone's a prospective client, how they're going to react under pressure. So if they're like two down, and I pull a hog, or I'm two down, I pull a hog press on them, which means I'm pressing the back to front and the overall. I want to see how they react to it. Yeah, and for non-golfers, yeah. he's basically doubling the bet on the next couple holes. Right. So now the money's getting higher and higher and higher. Yep. And I want to see how they react to it. Yep. 
and I want to I pay attention to when they make a bad shot or miss an easy putt. And it's like, okay, if this person's chucking clubs around, I just I like to drop f bombs because well, it's fun. Yeah, but. If someone's just a little bit, I don't want that person as a client. Yeah. So it's a great character screen yep. for me. But you get to learn a lot about people while you're on the golf course. You ask them about, you know, what they're doing, what they've done. And it's a neat way to get to know people in a way that doesn't have anything to do with business. Yep. And the question always comes around. You find that thread of discontent where somebody's saying, hey, you know, what do you know about this? And since I've been in town for 50 years, I either A, know everybody that they need to know, or B, know somebody that knows the person yep. that we need to get involved. And it's all about trying to make those connections for folks. Because I'm assuming down here on the East Coast, you get the same thing we get on the West Coast. Yeah. Where a lot of people move down from up North and they have to establish residency. They have to redo all their dispositive arrangements. They need new banking contacts, all that good stuff. Insurance for property and casualty. And so I know all those people accountants, lawyers. So, you know, we try and take care of all that and hook people up with them and try and just add value even if they don't become clients. Yep. So. Yeah, no. And you get to do something you love while, you know. For as much as I play, you'd think I'd be better, but you know. You're really good. Just not on this course, not not today. Not today. (laughs) Not today. Um, So you brought your son on in 2016 when you went independent. No, no. I brought him on before that, actually. Okay. Yeah. Well, before we went. So he was there for the entire transition. Okay. So So he helped out. He even joined RJA at the time. And then made the transition. Right. How's he doing in the business? He's been there now seven years. Has he been with us now? Uh, Yeah, he's been yeah he's actually been been about eight and a half eight and a half years yeah because we i uh i was just going from his licensing but yeah yeah yeah. uh but he wasn't licensed at first yeah i started the kid off answering phones and doing files yep which was awesome because i wanted to start him off at the bottom i didn't want him to think that he was coming in and how old's he now he's 34 34 okay no and he understands how and why we do what we do at 34 years old, actually, he knew it at 28 better than I did at 40 something. Yeah. You know, I'd like to think it was kind of a little bit, it was osmosis, mm-hmm. you know, because he was exposed to it the whole time and got to see how we interacted with clients and things like that. So yeah, he, he's got a gift. That's awesome. That's for sure. That's awesome. You see it in him. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I do. Yeah. Uh, he's really come around over the last, like maybe four or five years and got serious with it. He had some significant medical issue yep had some really nasty sleep apnea i mean my kid's a monster he's six six about 250 260 yeah okay and he needed to have his deviated septum corrected he wasn't sleeping at all and it was trying to get a few good hours of work out of him a day it was hard because he was waking up like 60 70 times an hour yeah he was not getting any sleep yeah so he had a pretty major surgery they corrected his deviated septum they took out his tonsils, his adenoids, and they literally carved the uvula out of the back of his throat. Okay. You know, the dongle thing yep. you know, to open up the airway. It was like night and day after that. Uh, once he started to recover from the surgery, I went from trying to take a feed him with a fire hose and it went through like an eyedropper yep. to having the fire hose wide open. And I can't keep up. And it was awesome. Is he at the point of helping to run the portfolios? Is he making some of the selections now too? Or we, we collaborate on it now. Yeah, yeah. You know, and his input does have some weight. Yep. You know, on it. 
You make uh, the final decision, though. Well, yeah, I mean, okay, if he's making a good case for it and he's got a conviction for a particular position, okay, he sold it to me. That's fine. Yeah. I, I'm good with that. Yeah. We don't do a lot of messing around in the portfolio. We don't make changes very often, but when we do, they're pretty big. Yep. When we're moving, you know, a $15 million position. Yep. You know, or something like that. But yeah, he's been. So your concentration on positions, mm-hmm. how high do you, would you go on a percentage of a client's assets? How low is, what, I wouldn't say how low, what's the average move? Okay. Well, the average move would be, okay, so we have nine basic components in the majority of our portfolios. And I use actively managed. Mm-hmm. Okay. Institutional class funds. Uh, okay. Front of, front mutual funds. Yeah. Mutual. Funds. Okay. Okay. On the ambassador platform that we use. So there's no ticket charges or yep. anything like that for the client. And then you've heard of Nick Murray before, right? Yep. I'm a huge Nick Murray zealot. Okay. Equities are the only thing God ever created that beat taxes and inflation in the long run. And so we position it where we've got large growth, large value, mid growth, mid value, small growth, small value, Sometimes throw in some international, depending on the client, we'll throw in some structured notes, enough fixed income for their anywhere between six months to two years worth of their expenses Mm -hmm. based on whatever else they've got in pensions and social security. For the bonds and the fixed income, are you using individual positions or using funds? Using the funds as well. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And the structured notes. So again, it's simple. If you looked at my entire book of business, I might have... 20 positions, mm-hmm. but there's 13 or 1400 different companies represented. Yeah. And it makes sense. So you're in mutual funds. You're diversified through them. Right. Yeah. Right. And yeah. then again, we don't use the same fund family twice typically because yep. there are a lot of companies out there that like use team portfolio managers yep. and they all have the same ideas. Yep. Well, I don't want them sharing information. Yeah. You, you like the star manager yeah, type if, situation. Right. If they bought the same stock and it's in this large value and it's in this large growth fund, they bought it for different reasons. They'll sell it for different reasons. And when we run the x-ray, because we didn't used to have these great portfolio tools. Yeah, right. Of the 1,100 positions in the base part of the portfolio, I think only six positions might be owned by more than two of the funds. Got it. So there's not a huge concentration or overlap. Yeah. Right. And we like to preach to folks that, again, volatility in itself is not risk. Volatility is only a risk when the client behaves badly, when it looks like the shit's hitting the fan. Yeah, exactly. And all that stuff is temporary. Yeah, I always use the analogy that the investments we buy you are Disney World, not the South County Fairground. So if you're on Space Mountain and the ride stops, don't jump out. You're going to be okay. Where if you were on the Gravitron at the South County Florida Fair and the guy that's on methamphetamine has his tooth falling out and he's controlling it, you're like... "Uh, It's a little bit iffier, that's for sure. Yeah, yeah. So We think most of what we do is behavior management. And that's, do you use any softwares for that? Like I use something called Riskalyze, which like we've used Riskalyze in the past. Yeah. Yeah. It's basically 90% of what we do is just keeping people's heads in the game Yep. because we can have an awesome portfolio laid out for them. We can have all the I's dotted and the T's crossed where all the assets are titled properly. The kids know what's going on, but if they panic, yep. okay, throws everything into disarray and can screw up a decade of good work. Yep, absolutely. And we always try and keep that stuff top of mind for folks. And we're very active in periods of volatility where we're communicating with our clients. And again, I say it in plain English. I cannot believe some of the crap I've gotten away with saying that has gotten through compliance. 
And I mean, because they let me be me. Well, that's the great thing about being independent is if they don't like it, they're just going to say this opinion does not represent. We have to put that on the bottom of all that crap. And you have to do it anyway. Yeah. 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 Which I think is probably one of the coolest parts when people go, is independence all about the money? And I go, no, it's nice. It doesn't hurt. But and it's a percentage. But no, the freedom and flexibility for us to have a podcast in the middle of our office or to say what we want to say and say it how we want to say it. And if there's something in there that could get us in trouble, they'll tell us, hey, this is not probably good. And and can you work around this? Uh, So I think there's a camaraderie and a team approach where, you know, when you work at different firms, you are not their customer. The customer is the customer. Here, you are the customer. Raymond James makes it very clear that as advisors, we're their clients at corporate. And our first responsibility is to our clients and our clients are our clients, yep. not the companies. Yep. Which yep. Is, and that was even at RJA. Well, which is proof because you yep. left RJA and you were able to transition your book without any kind of hesitation or issue. Right. And I actually think that speaks highly of Todd yeah, well, and the guy, kind of guy he is. Yep. Um, and I had a situation where I was with the Super OSJ that was going to no longer be part of the platform. And he was phenomenal with me during that. And I won't forget it. And he it was like, well, let's make this simple. Let's make this easy. And it was just cool, yeah. you know? And so between him and Debbie, Jody and, and Joe Pellegrini and the whole team up there at corporate at Southeast team, big right. kudos. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm glad that they gave me the opportunity to go to the independent side. It's just been a hell of a run. Absolutely. So, yeah. Absolutely. So what's next? We were talking lunch, our first round together. And you were part of some programs which you got picked in a lottery to be able to buy in where you get to speak to really successful people like Steve Wozniak. And Actually, it wasn't a lottery. It was a mastermind group. It was called the Arate Syndicate. Yep. Okay. A couple of guys that are pretty big in the podcast world, a guy named Andy Frisella. Mm -hmm. So he did this thing called the MF CEO Project. And MF stands for exactly what you think it does. It's like if you're going to go through life, you're going to be in charge. You might as well do it with some swagger. Yep. So he says, my name's Andy and I am the CEO. Yeah. And so him and another guy named Ed Milet, who also has a very successful podcast, they came together and they said, we want to create a group of entrepreneurs that want to get to the next level. And you had to be making a certain amount of money. You go through the application process and said, how much you make last year? Put in the number. They said, all right, prove it. I mean, I had to show them tax returns for Pete's sake. Yeah. So about 11,000 people applied the first year. They picked like 60. That's what I meant. They, yeah, yeah. It's a lot. It's a lottery pick in the, well, you they, have to qualify. Yeah. They went through every yeah. single No, I understand. You got to qualify to be part of the group and right. then they picked the six, the 60. Right. Yeah. And then it was funny. But the 60 they pick, is that randomized? No, 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 no. They're not. Through, they went through a vetting process. Got it. Got it. So they actually, 11,000 people put in the application. Yes. They chose what they thought were the best 60 potential. Correct. CEOs. Yep. Okay. Yep. Cool. Or could be mother CEOs yes. or we're on their way. Yes. We, uh, again, that was a hell of an experience because I didn't, they didn't know that I actually existed. Okay. Cause I didn't have any presence, presence on social media. I didn't have a Facebook account. I wasn't on IG or anything like that. And they're looking at my application and they're going, who is this guy? And they could find my son, but they couldn't find me. Yeah. And they thought that he was me. And then they found some DMs that my son had actually sent to both Andy and to Ed and say, hey, you need to pick my dad for this. So my boy stepped up 
without me knowing it. And got you in. And got me in. I actually had a conversation with those guys, Andy and Ed, the first time we were in Coeur d'Alene, Idaho, the first time we all met together. And he goes, yeah, we thought you didn't exist, man, but your kid, that was motivating. Yeah. He said, your kid would go out there and say that stuff about you and advocate for you to be a part of this group. Something we got to take yeah, a look at. Yeah, it's huge. At. Yeah. Yeah, it was pretty cool. Pretty cool. And then the next year, we all had to reapply again, but obviously a lot of us got grandfathered in. I think they had 40,000 people apply. And what year was that? Year. That was the second uh, year? 18, 19, and into 20, we were doing that. Got it. And, and you're done with it now at this point. Yeah, at this yeah. point, I mean, again, you got we, they brought in guest instructors like Steve Wozniak. Yep. Okay. Like a Kevin O'Leary, like Peyton Manning. Urban Meyer, guys that like Billy Jean. Gosh, there's so many great names that in the entrepreneurial space, when it came to either doing social media marketing or leadership development, team development, all these specific things, they got into real high level stuff and we got to learn from each other. Yep. And I kind of took a real fancy to try and setting up more time together for that group. And before and after the meetings, when the syndicate would get together, I was managing, gosh, when we went to Whistler one time, I managed five different nights and about 500 dinner reservations in a foreign country just for all of us to get together more. Yeah. And I mean, some- You still keep in touch with everybody? Oh, yeah. Well, a lot of them, yeah. Lot, yeah. And there's a core group of about 30 of them still yep. that have proven to be legit. And, I mean, just big time. Yeah. And we got some folks that- okay, I don't know how their check cleared and other guys that are worth nine figures. Now, now success-wise, you, you learned a lot during those times. Mm -hmm. Where is the future mm -hmm. for you? Like, I'll, I'll give you some examples of my okay. situation. I went independent. I had a vision of more recruitment, okay, of advisors. And then I changed that mantra a little bit to more growing internally, finding some good young hardworking people right. and recreating our brand of where we're going to be over the next two, three years. And that's kind of something I've started focusing on over the last six months to a year. Because okay. get, you get bored. You, yeah. you manage clients' assets. You know what you're doing. You do a good job of it. But at the same time, it's the same old, same old. And you need a little bit, you know, something different in your life. Right. Now, I'm a little younger than you. Not much younger, yeah, but a little not younger. Not much, yeah. Um, a little geezer. But where, what's next for you? What's next for your son? What's next for your brand? Right. We're trying to go... A little bit deeper, again, we have continued the process of that progressive right-sizing. So we are constantly raising the bar of the minimum of the client that we take on. And I'd love it to where we have only 150 households and a billion under management. You know, I mean, we're about one-fifth that or one-fourth that now with the same number of people. But I see the path. I've made the connections yeah. and it's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when. Is the concept that your son will still handle some other relationships as they come in? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So as my minimum gets higher, Yep. okay, for the folks, so we look at what we call a triple A, yep. okay, it's not only the assets under management, it's their advocacy for us and their attitude. So those are the three things that we look at. We could have somebody who's got 10 million in assets. Okay, there's one A, but they're not advocates for us. And sometimes they're difficult to deal with. So that person might just be a single A. But if I've got somebody with a million five that's tried to give me three introductions so far this year, okay, 
that's a double A right there. I'm going to give them more time and attention. So you're not actually firing no. people actively. It's a matter of attention they're going to receive from more, you. A little bit more of an emphasis because, again, they advocate for our process. You know. Yeah, so it's almost coaching them out in a way, but doing it in the right way. Because firing in our business can, can be tricky. It can be tricky. I did have a client one time, had about $15 million with me. And he'd been somewhat difficult to deal with. And he sat down where you're at. I'm on my side of the desk. And he's like, I don't need you to do this for me anymore. I'd rather have you do this instead. And I'm like, well, that's not part of our process. That's not what we do. And he goes, well, I need this done and I need this done. It's like, okay, again, you sat with your lawyers, sat with your accountants. We talked to your business partners. We all agreed this is how we were going to do it. Yep. No, I don't want you to do that anymore. Okay. I got up from around my desk. I shook his hand. I said, I'll transfer the money anywhere you want. And I walked out of my own office. Yep. And he goes, what just happened? I said, you're going to move. I can't do this anymore. Yeah. And he goes, okay. And he figured it out. It's like, dude, you're done. Yeah. And it was such a relief from a karma standpoint yep. on the, how taxing this relationship was. To yeah. Yeah. But there was obviously more that went into that than that meeting. Correct. Oh, yeah. absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Yes. Yeah. That was the final straw. The, yeah. And again, it freed us up mentally spiritually almost yep to where okay we got the 15 million back in 30 days and picked up another 15 on top of that yep and we might not have been able to do that if we were still stuck dealing with this yep and again we want it to be a bigger deal for when a client joins our firm than when that client joins for their perspective than it is for them to come on yeah because again, we know what we bring to the table. Yeah, yeah, 100%. I'll tell them the 1% that I'm charging you, all the products are free, all the record keeping is free. I could do five trades, 50 or 500 trades. The 1% that you're paying me is simply to keep you from doing dumb with your money. Yep. I say it just like that. Yeah, it's behavioral finance. Yeah. I mean, yeah. used to be, you used to have to go through us to buy something. Now it's, you're really with us as your financial psychologist. Yep. Yeah. Money doctor, whatever you want to call it. Oh, yeah. Uh, I mean, you know, Yogi Berra said 90% of baseball is half mental. Yep. Same thing with investing. Same exact thing yeah. with investing. Yeah. So I have a couple of props that I use during an initial interview. And I'm trying to find out if it's a good fit or not. And towards the end of it, I'll say, Ev, look, man, I'll reach into my drawer and I'll pull this thing out. I'll set it on the table. It's a Prozac pill. Okay. It's about this big. Yep. I said, look, at some point in our relationship, man, you're going to be bunged out about something. Okay. Depending on your attitude and how you present the problem depends on how this gets administered. Yeah. And they look at me and I'm like, that's ah, just a highlighter. Yeah. And it's like, but just I actually, but I don't know where it is now. I have a magic eight ball. There you go. And if a client asks me like, Evan, is the market going to be up in the next six months? I say, <laughs> I yeah. pick it up. I shake it. God I go. only freaking knows. Yeah, yeah. I got that from somebody. I don't remember who deserves the credit on that one. That was really good. It's a good um, one. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I also have on my desk, a small little, tin can yep. that has a lid on it and it says ashes of problem clients and I'll pick it up and I'll say here hold this for a second and I hold it and I open it it's I said it's empty now you don't <laughs> want to be the first yeah yeah, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. we try and lighten it up a little bit yeah of course but with the idea it's like look I'm making a commitment to you yeah my team is making a commitment to you to help you navigate through this part of your life and we take that seriously and it's like 
look, you have to buy in just as much as we do. And it's great to be in that position that you can do it now. Yeah. Like where the, the younger advisors are starting up, you really can't. You got to take on everybody you can get. No. You um, yeah. And you do learn over time that's oh, not good to do. hard way. Yeah. But you learn the hard way. And it's the only way to learn. Right. Mike, you are absolutely awesome. Thanks, uh, thanks for finally coming on. Oh, for uh, sure. And uh, if anybody wants to get a hold of you out there, another advisor, young advisor that goes, I really like that guy. He's got some cool ideas. How can they get a hold of you? Well, you can find us. Let's see now. What's the website? It's MSFG Sarasota at RaymondJames.com. You can find that there. You're on LinkedIn too? Yeah, I'm on LinkedIn too. Yeah, last name's Toucher, T U T C H E R. You'll find me and my kid. And again, we have a lot of fun with it. I've been incredibly blessed. Let's put it that way. Yeah. Well, it's awesome to have met you. You know, just leaving on this note, I go, I knew everything about you and your practice as far as asset size and so on because i looked you up before yeah I and then the i found thing. out you did yeah, the same yeah. <laughs> i was like this guy's on shit you yep, know because yep, most people don't it. do that so. oh hell yeah uh, man i want to yeah. find out who i'm playing with yeah. i already knew your handicap before we got that it. that i didn't know that yeah. i didn't know yeah. that was good to know so anyway for the advisors out there hopefully you enjoyed today's show we will have this out in the next couple of weeks and mike thanks again for joining absolutely happy to do it man